Sponsor for The Shepherd's Crook this month is Crown Brew Coffee Company. Crown Brew Coffee believes that a great cup of coffee can build a great community. Their founders fell in love with coffee while serving in the mission field and started bringing different coffees back with them from around the world. As their love for coffee deepened, they began to study and understand how to prepare it intentionally with manual brewing techniques and other unique methods. Crown Brew started by being transparent with the brewing process and techniques to empower people to make better coffee at home. Now they have a cafe that specializes in craft brews and education that attracts a diverse community of patrons. Plus, all of Crown Brew's coffee is fair trade, meaning that farmers producing these amazing beans are being taken care of. If you want to learn more about their story, the craft coffee industry, or get your hands on some incredible beans, stop by crownbrewcoffee.com to check them out. Or if you're in Carterville, Illinois, they would love to make you a delicious cup of coffee in their shop and share their story. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor. Come alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. can be a huge source of encouragement Mm -hmm. during times of financial difficulty or a huge discouragement. And I feel like I have been I'm I'm for sure I've been a huge discouragement I know that I remember those times and hopefully I've been an encouragement at certain times as well but um yeah the wife can play a big role in that so anyways that's what I'm gonna be doing okay let's pray ask for the Lord's help Lord Jesus we need wisdom and direction lead us in this discussion and make it clear and make it helpful and take our imperfect thoughts and imperfect words and perfectly work in the lives of any husbands and wives that are listening in, any pastors and pastors' wives that are listening in. And just we just ask for for your guidance, and we trust that you're going to give it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let me give an overview. If you're not familiar with Jordan and I's story and ministry history, then let me just kind of bring you up to speed. So when I first moved back to Southern Illinois, I was a part of a church plant, and that was from 2008 to 2010. That's when I met Jordan. We ended up getting married in 2010. And during that time, I was bivocational, trivocational, doing whatever I could. The church, I think, was paying me $1,200 a month at that time. And, you know, being single, young, that was pretty good. It was it was pretty good. I had a job lined up at a lumber yard where I was, you know, just kind of throwing two-by-fours in the back of people's trucks for them and then making deliveries to different job sites and, and all that kind not, of odds and ends. Not making a ton there, though. Not making a ton yeah. there, but pretty much like a full-time job. So I was kind of doing full-time, part-time ministry. So it was, uh, that was kind of the deal the first couple of years. Then I transitioned to ministry, and in 2010, when we got married, I started at Cornerstone Church in Marion. And that's one town over from where we lived. We lived in Carterville for the first seven years of our marriage. And Cornerstone was a larger church. Our church actually merged with Cornerstone, and now many of our elders that were elders at that first church plant are elders at Cornerstone. So it's really been neat to see them blossom and grow and, and step up into leadership there. But we were there for two and a half years, and the first year I had to raise money because I was kind of the guinea pig. The pastor there had kind of taken me under his wing, and I was the guinea pig of the internship program. We kind of just made an internship program. And the idea is that I would be an intern there, and then I would come on as a campus pastor and become the uh, third campus pastor of the third you know site for the multi-site church. And that's what happened. So for the first year, I raised support 
And which was kind of weird because it was local. Yeah. It wasn't. It was awkward for me just yeah. because uh, I, it was just humbling, you know. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with raising support, but I had just never experienced that before. So it was humbling. Um, it is. Just to, it almost feels like selling yourself, like mm-hmm. going to kind of sell the story of like why you should support this mission and um, definitely times for that, but it just, it was awkward for me. It was awkward because, I mean, neither one of us wanted to be in that position, but in the end, it was really affirming because God provided for us. Yeah. And it Above was. And beyond. Remember how. Yeah, it was. Um, it was like there was a year's like month worth. Eight yeah, and the whole year's worth of funding was, come in at that point. Was already in. So, yeah, it, so in month super eight. Encouraging yeah, we got to go and point. tell our people who are giving to us. And they just said, hey, we're investing in you. We believe that God's called you into ministry, mm-hmm. and we want to invest in you guys. And so that that's really a good thing. We want to be able to give money to where you know we know it's going to be used in, in an appropriate way. Yeah. And it was really humbling that people saw fit to yeah. give and God provide. So eight months, uh, Jody, the financial administrator at Cornerstone said, hey, Jared, you can tell them to stop giving. So I was able to call people and say, hey, the money's all in. Because we'd reached our goal or what we needed right. for the year. For the year. And then that next year, we went on staff at Cornerstone. And it kind of was like a half time and then into full time. And for about a year and a half, I was full-time then at Cornerstone. And that was kind of what we call our... our we, refer, we refer to it as our rich year. It wasn't really our rich year. It was just a basic salary for being on staff at a church. With and insurance. With insurance, benefits, all that kind of stuff. And it was really good. I was, I think, 27 at the time. A lot of security 20, in that year and false yeah. security for me of this is a good salary, this is comfortable, let's just stay here. Right. And that came with retirement as well. So like a 403, 403B that comes with uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, which that was a Southern Baptist church. So it was a, a Guidestone account. I think I, and I do still have that. And and then when things, when we transitioned out of there, it was a really weird season because we didn't have anything lined up yet. And the, the goal was to get uh, a position before we left there, but that didn't happen. And so I ended up working at a plumbing supply place for three months. And my friend Andrew gave me the job. I'd worked there before, but now I'm working back in a you know plumbing warehouse. And and it was three months, and it felt like a very long time. But I went from you know making um, and let's just uh, for the sake of transparency here, it. I don't care. Okay, I was making <laughs> like low forties with a great you know benefit package to making ten fifty an hour. That was scary. Mm-hmm. That was very scary. Yeah, and it was also a time I remember you going to a breakfast at a Christian school that they had invited pastors to, and the kids were singing a song. What was the song? Something about God's not. God's not why done. would you worry? Why would you fret? God's, God's not, not done, done with, with you yet. yet. And I remember you like came home and you were like, I was in tears when they yeah. were singing that, just just because it's exactly what we were feeling. Like, God, are you done with us in ministry? Yeah. What's happening? And you, if you've been in ministry for a while, you you know there's seasons where you just kind of wonder, like, did God really call me to this, or am I just doing this for the wrong reasons? What's going on? And that was a moment. That was a moment where I was and really doubting. And your wife's doubting. at home like, we don't have money. Yeah, we don't have money. I mean, it was scary. I mean, it was really scary because it went from security to insecurity really quick. And not insecurity like personal insecurities, but actually like really insecure. Where, where, where where's God going to provide? Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, then a church called up, called called me up, and a church that I'd been at for I'd known known about for a long time, and the pastor I'd known for years, and he said, "We want you to come on, and we want you to be the next pastor in two years, but we want to start you off as the pastor's assistant." And now the elders and that pastor said, "We we're gonna I want you to be the associate pastor, but we're gonna call you the pastor's assistant, like Dwight Schrute to Michael Scott, the associate to the pastor." And not the pastor's associate. Right. And then they said what they were going to pay me 
and you know I was obviously thinking way more but they're like oh 10 bucks an hour you know <laughs> like, at oh that point gosh. well we were like well we've been living on that at least you'll be in <laughs> ministry again and actually at the beginning like the first six months it was a step back in pay from the plumbing supply place yeah. which was interesting but but for some reason we were still really excited about it yeah I mean because it was God I think God answering yeah that, I, yeah that he was and there seemed like a possibility of a future like stability yeah I mean it was it seemed to be very clear mm-hmm. so we were there and there was incremental raises there financially and not in any way to the extent of Cornerstone. It was a church that did have money, but uh, based on a lot of different factors there, they uh, it just it wasn't a lot of money. It just it wasn't. We had to go through things and, and be on state aid and medical and and things that are very humbling. They're just humbling. And in ministry, you've you've probably been there before with your children or having to get some sort of medical and wondering now as, as churches are struggling in, in greater ways to pay things like health insurance there are big questions that come up for, you know, for pastors and pastors' wives. And if you're in bivocational ministry or, or full-time ministry that doesn't make a lot, you know, you're, I mean, we're not in this for the money, clearly. But what comes with that is having to learn to live on not very much. Yeah. And and it can be done. It can be done. And we can have, we had fun doing it. Yeah. And you can be happy and be poor. Yeah. Well, there's this weird dichotomy. So... I'm reading Costi Hinn's book right now, which is uh, God, the Gospel, and the Prosperity. I forget. I'll put the title in the show notes. But a very, very good book. But he goes through his, he kind of like uh, gives a biography, biographical sketch on the prosperity gospel that he grew up in with Benny Hinn and being in that home. And you have these contrasts here that I think a lot of pastors are terrified of, of not wanting to uh, be a lover of money. In fact, that's one of the qualifications to uh, being an elder in First Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1 is that he can't be a lover of money. If you love money, you can't be in ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and besides that, the various warnings throughout Scripture yeah, that, we, talk, that we've been talking about lately. Yeah. Um, just of Bible reading challenge. Yeah, in the Bible reading challenge, we recently have just gone through multiple times, gone through the Gospels of it's harder for people who are rich. It is. Um, spiritually, in a yeah. spiritual sense. Yeah, it is. And money is not evil, but it the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And you cannot serve God and money. If you want to serve one or the other, you just you just can't. It's impossible. So you have to serve the Lord and not serve money. But back also onto the, back onto the track. Yeah, but but see, but also in in through you know, thinking through these things, but you also have to have money. And oh, God yeah. God provides. Mm-hmm. And so in ministry, you gotta walk that line of of not knowing how to do this thing. Should I get another job? Should I be bivocational here? And then the, the internal struggle of, am I giving amount, uh, the right amount of hours to the church for what they're paying me? And all these weird questions. Because typically, if, especially if you're a lead pastor, you're answering, quote-unquote, answering to the elders and the congregation, especially if you're a Baptist church or congregational. So there's a level of authority that the congregation has and the elders have. But by and large, day-to-day life, you're you are determining your own schedule and so you're waffling back and forth you know am I doing enough am I doing what I'm supposed to do and all these just you know money dollar signs questions just often I mean they just bubble up to the surface so we're making less now at this church and uh, the the responsibilities that I I have are are somewhat clear and we're enjoying life for a couple years and they give us a few raises here and there and things again are pretty I feel like somewhat secure it was not much money but Things were consistent, yeah. I think. 
that would be safe to say. Mm -hmm. And then and we've never needed a lot of money. God's always provided for us, which we'll yeah. get to. Yeah, we'll, well we can get to. But anyways, okay. and then we plan a Christ Well, let's don't forget. Don't let me forget that though about how the ways God has provided for okay. us. Okay. Okay. Um, then when we planted our church, we went through a series of raising support, mm -hmm. and we had hired Andy, who's our co-pastor at our church. At the previous church, I had hired him to be our long-term ministry partner, worship pastor, and we ended up planting together. And it felt like there was the the burden of raising support for two families. I didn't have that. I, I unnecessarily felt that burden. And God provided for Andy and his family, and provided for us and our family. But it was a scary time because it again we were in this place of needing to raise mm -hmm. support, and we didn't want to ever be there again, mm -hmm. to be honest. But I mean, the Apostle Paul was there. I mean, he even in the book of you know Romans, he was wanting to be helped by Rome to move on to Spain. And um, um, through that time of planting, though, it was just an incredible whirlwind of God's provision through yeah. different organizations that like I didn't even know stuff like that existed, and things would just be thrown into our path of you know. I don't know, do different things like NAM and yeah. IDSA and Sojourn. Sojourn. And um, just, and also and individuals. Individuals, yeah, individuals who individuals support us. Individuals that um, just wanted to see the church be planted and um, just an amazing sense of God taking care of us and also of God using us as vessels to do what he was wanting to do. Yeah. Um, because it was just like a literally three-month period of like day one of three months. Mm -hmm. God wants us to plant a church end of three months we're doing it yeah it's start the first service has started and all the funds had been raised and all of the papers had been copied yeah <laughs> it's incredible and in all that provision it's it's interesting because it's wild we didn't feel we've never felt like really really I hate to even say this because on a global scale global scale and, and like the scale earlier, here when I earlier say poor, I don't yeah. mean poor I yeah. mean like there's a difference a, between global scale and local sense scale. Of of, I'm poor. Right, and like poverty lines are different globally and locally. Mm -hmm. So, when people say, "Well, if you if you make you know uh, thirty grand a year, you're in the top one percent richest people in the world," okay, but those, sometimes those statistics aren't that transferable. But so when we say when we say poor, we're not talking about living on the streets. God's no. always again provided for mm -hmm. us. We'll we'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, I think two years ago, our combined income and just again, so you can get like kind of uh, handles on what we're talking about here. Just two years ago, our combined income was twenty-seven thousand dollars, and it for didn't a family of four. for a family. Uh, no, at three well, at the pregnant. time, it was family yeah. at three at the time. Three yeah. and pregnant, and and we've we've been provided for them, and God has taken care of us, and we haven't had to dive into savings, and mm -hmm. we haven't had to, and it's just been remarkable. And I would also just like to qualify it that um, we're both very big believers in saving and not going into debt, and. There's not been a time ever in our marriage that we've been like, we don't have enough money, let's go get a credit card. Like, yeah, that would not happen. Ever, we're, ever, ever. we're very serious about um, financial independence and mm -hmm. um, just being responsible with what we have and thinking about the future. So I, I say that to say, even with an income of 27000 we were still able to save. Yeah. And, um, and just and just being okay with not making much money mm -hmm. and um, and trusting. One day, and then the next day, not being okay yeah. with it. And yeah, <laughs> and yeah, the and then the next day, day your wife it. being like, we still don't have money. Yeah. Um, anyways, so, yeah, I just wanted to qualify yeah, with good. that, that, that I, we aren't, like, not making money, but also, like, wanting things yeah. that we can't afford. And now, you know, for me, 
I, that didn't come natural to me, being a money manager. Jordan was very, very, she was trained at that by her parents. I had some great parents, but some financially, I was not trained at all on how to save and how to pay bills and interest rates. Interest will either save, save you money or make you broke and make you rich or make you broke kind of thing. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. And so when I got married to Jordan, it was a package deal. I got married to her, but I also uh, got to learn the things that she learned from her dad and from her uncle and all these things about money to where we really became united on our understanding of money and saving and all that sort of thing. So God really brought us together. So if you're out there and you're thinking, man, I'm really bad at that, you can get better. You really Mm -hmm. can. I mean, you can get better. Talk to people and get a strategy. Um, because you can live on very little money mm-hmm. um, and live in a way that is still responsible yeah. and thinking towards the future and thinking towards future generations. Yeah. And then each year with our church plant, we're in year three and a half now, and God's provided more and more and more. And we're you know, trusting that at some point we'll be in a place that we've been at in the past, and even as we grow older that God's going to continue to provide for us, not that we'll ever be filthy rich that's not our goal we want to be uh, financially responsible in anything that God gives us because in the end it's all God's money but we uh, we're trusting that as we're faithful with what God has given us that he's going to continue to give us more not in a prosperity gospel way but give us to what we're responsible with and uh, at some point that will be capped you know I'm not looking to to make 70 or 80 grand or 90 grand as a pastor but um, God is providing, and He's always provided. So we want to kind of give you some ways that God has provided for us in the past and just show you some, I mean, real practical ways. And this doesn't happen for everybody, but for us, this is how God has provided. And really, I hope this is an encouragement to you because as you're looking in, into your future and looking into you know where you are right now, and you may be thinking in ministry that, how am I going to make this? Am I going to have to? And by the way, I'm still like tri-vocational pretty much, bi-vocational yeah. at least, and tri-vocational. I'll do whatever is necessary if yeah. I never get raises from our church, I'm going to keep at this until God, you know, closes doors. But I believe God's called us to our church and our church family. We love them and they love us. We really feel loved by them and we really love them. And so we believe God's called us to Carbondale, Illinois for the long haul. If I have to be bivocational, tri-vocational, that's what I'm willing to do. I'm not going to sacrifice my family for that. So there's going to be some parameters around work and some things that, uh, that have to be set up to where I'm not working 55-hour week for you know the next 30 years um but uh, i'm willing to to do whatever whatever it takes and um so but what's been interesting we've talked about this and even up till today we go to an estate sale and get you know things that we've said we had wanted not even just needed but wanted but god has always provided for us so let's back up to the trailer we live in a in a trailer whenever we first got married we first got married in a 1973 trailer the 73 uh-huh Micah and Alicia Oakley lived there my childhood, one of my best friends growing up. And he went off to PA school, and he and his wife got married while he was in college. So they were like dirt poor, you know, like college students are. And they lived in this 1973 trailer. And I was moving back up here in 2007, late 2007, and they were getting ready to move because he graduated and got a job as a PA. And when you're a PA, you don't live in a trailer anymore. So they were getting a new house, and... Uh, I got this house this before Jordan and I knew each other and lived there for two years with a couple of buddies and it I thought was great but the first time Jordan's I mean, mom it saw was, it she cried she cried <laughs> when she knew that we were going to be living there she yeah oh man um, be- because 
it, I mean, it wasn't great, but it, yeah, I. You gotta be. There were some pretty terrible things. In I there. mean, there were some me holes in the you, subfloor. There was holes in the subfloor with carpet over it that you had to step over as you went down the hallway. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's and not awesome. It isn't awesome. It but was gross. And you. No, you can't okay, go there. There's okay, other things. There's that we, other things. Yeah, I, we will not lose all them. respectability. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> And it involves boogers, and it's really gross. That's not what I was gonna say. Oh gosh, what were you gonna say? <laughs> I thought that was. I thought that was exactly, like, man. There's okay. multiple. Okay, no, forget no. it. Let's just Anyways, move on. Okay, so um, the way God provided. The for way us. God provided, and the way God continues to provide. Let's he just does this. Way. He, he does. provides for us in the things that we need. It, he's, yes. He is. And this it, is not just our story. This is your story because you can go back and down through. Mm-hmm. Even if you're the most cessationist person in the world, okay, and and you don't believe in any of the modern day gifts of the Spirit. You have a signs and wonders book if you just look back over the last decade of your life and ask the question, how has God provided for me? And you begin to get out that notebook, get out that moleskin journal, and you begin to write down all the ways that God has provided for you. You have a book of signs and wonders. God has provided. So when we tell this story, this is your story also. It may look different. It may be different ways that God's provided for you, but this is your story as well. And wives, perhaps that would be a good... Yes. Exercise for you as well as you are feeling fussy over mm-hmm. your husband's income at the moment. Yeah, and, and <laughs> that security thing. That security thing. Been well to do that um, so many times in our marriage, uh, so many days that I was untrusting of the Lord. It would have been good for me to look back on His faithfulness. But mm-hmm. anyway, so we had the 1973 trailer. It was gross. But we weren't but, married yet. But we weren't was, married yet. But we were gonna. We were engaged, and so we knew that we were gonna be living there. Um, so we we were gonna do some things to it and fix mm-hmm. it up, obviously. Um, but at the time, Jared was working for a roofing company that did integrity like roofing and exteriors. Yeah, shout out a to great you guys. Company, mm-hmm. um, which thank you, Terry Gwaltney. Yeah, awesome man. Um, which did some storm chasing things where they would go to areas that had a lot of hailstorms and they would go and like offer bids to people. So I was still pastoring at the time. So I'm storm chasing and pastoring. Um, So the company did like a Christmas getaway deal and Branson and Jerry goes and calls me while he's gone. He's like, hey, um, I want a flat screen TV. (laughs) It was a raffle. Are you serious? That's amazing. Um, so we got a TV for our trailer. It was really exciting. And it's still the TV on our wall in we our bedroom. We still have it today. in our bedroom. And Jared says about once a week, when is this TV ever going to go out? It's lasted for nine years. It, this is amazing. It is amazing. Um, so, uh, and then about, I don't know, an hour later, he calls me and he was like, babe, listen to this. <laughs> They're going to do a home makeover on our trailer. And I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? So, come to find out, they also... As like a promotional thing, we're going to pick a person, I mm-hmm. guess, from all of their different markets to do a home makeover. Yeah, you know, and ours, they chose the Jared, and they came in and they pimped our 1973 trailer. Yeah. and it it guys, our trailer was so cute. And I still have fond memories of that 1973 trailer. Two weeks, so two weeks before we got married. Yeah, it was two weeks before we got married. They put new floors, new cabinets, new countertops. Built a master bedroom on Built a master bedroom onto it that was like a porch. Um, painted the inside and outside. Did I say new roof? New roof. New roof. And also put a new roof. Another way that God provided for me personally, I um, 
sew and do a bunch of seamstress stuff. Yeah, crafty flowers, things, rant florist stuff, and seamstress stuff. All things stuff creative. So I do things like that. And another way God provided was before Jared and I even knew each other, God provided for me a little shop outside of our 1973 trailer that whenever Jared bought the place... It, storage. It was storage, yeah. and then before that Moldy, it was like an leaky. office. Yeah, it was gross, but it was a place for me. Mm-hmm. And they also uh, put a roof on that yep. and painted that. And, yeah, so Remodeled we got a it. free home makeover. That was one of the ga- ways that God has provided for us. And the neat thing was, with that company, we got so much more than I gave to them. I didn't know what I was doing when I worked with them. And I look back and think, like, I just had no idea what I was doing. And I was trying my best, but I was just not, I was just not good at it. Now I would be a lot better at it. But at that time, I just didn't know what I was doing. But God... It was just the use that job. Yeah, it was a kindness it was just of God. Awesome, and they're Christians. Yeah, they, that's what I was gonna say. Working awesome. through God's people. And that trailer. Here's what's crazy. In seven years, from the time we, from the time I bought it to the time we sold it, it appreciated almost a hundred percent. That doesn't I mean, happen that, with trailers. With a trailer, it, that is also God's provision. It, it was. It almost doubled in value in seven years. It was just unbelievable. So we sold it for way more than I bought it for. It was just unbelievable. And so God provided. And then along the way, there are all these small provisions that we can go through. I mean, just... Like a, a giant amount we say of small, baby clothes constantly. constantly. Like just yesterday, we got tons of clothes for our kids that someone gave us. Mm-hmm. Um, a baby crib. I remember whenever I was pregnant with Ransom, we were needing a crib and went to a sale and got one for $5. $5. I mean, just stuff like that. Con- I mean, awesome. We could literally talk for hours. Yeah, vehicles of, that God has provided. Yeah, of little things and big things that God has just continually provided for us. And I just am so thankful. Just And how, how in these moments can we ever be like, God, why were we not making more money? Yeah. and see, that's Why was a, our that's salary a, not bigger? That's Lord. the thing with, and, and that's with, with money. And, and when pastors are worried and freaked out about talking about it, and it's even hard on a Sunday morning at our church gatherings to even talk about giving. And if you're in a lead pastor position, it's hard because a majority of, of the percentage, a big percentage of the church's giving goes to, you ends up going to your salary. So it's all these weird emotional things that go into this as well that I didn't expect coming into pastoring the church that I'm currently at. When I was on staff as like a staff pastor at a church, it didn't feel the same way as it does as a lead pastor of a church. And I don't really regularly call myself a lead pastor, but our church, I'm kind of like the first among equals in a plurality of elders in, in a co-pastoring situation kind of thing. And it's weird. And I know pastors out there that you feel it. I mean, you feel weird talking about it. And then when people come around to do evals or anything like that, it's just weird. And so when we're talking about money, we're just we're not talking about prosperity stuff, but we are talking about provision. God has provided, and the way he's provided for us hasn't been through, you know, even though he's provided our salaries, it's been through other ways. He just continually, it's like, he just gives us stuff. I mean, it's wild. He gives us the things we need. He gives us the things we need, and things that, beyond that even. Yeah, things we kind of want. a post hole digger today. Yeah, a post hole digger. I've been needing a post hole digger. We go to a yard sale, so things on the list today. $2 $2 post hole <laughs> And we're not even going to edit this, by the way. No edits on this episode. A $2 post hole digger. Because every every man needs a post hole digger. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. 
once every three years you got to big dig you know a hole in the yard and you need you go borrow your father-in-law's or your neighbor's post hole digger so it was it's great to have one i got one um and then what else did we get today that we need oh and then uh um I got just a, a Woolrich shirt, a nice wool shirt. I don't need it at all, but I love Woolrich wool shirts. It was uh, 50 cents, and it's about a $200 shirt, and that's, that's just neat. And you may say, man, that's so silly, but time after time, God has provided it for us in those ways, and it's just so encouraging. Mm-hmm. It really is. And then all, all of this, and I think we can kind of maybe wrap this up and then talk about contentment from Philippians. I just had an opportunity in, to do some more bivocational work, and this salary that was going to be provided in this chaplaincy position at a prison was going to be really, really good. I mean, it was going to it be... Was, it would have been life-changing. It would have it been... It would have been the, we're not poor, for sure. Oh, definitely not. It would have been on the other end of the spectrum, like, making a more lot. Than we more than have. we ever have. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we're not talking, like, you know, 100 grand here or anything like that, but... It would have just been more than ever. It would have been more than we've ever made by a significant amount. Mm-hmm. And long story short, I was recommended to be hired... And the state chose somebody else, which was weird. That's not common. And what we see that as is God just saying, hey, I'm I'm going to provide for you. But it was weird because we got almost, in my mind, it was almost like it was this, uh, this idea of security. If I got that, it would have been a pension. It would have been... Uh, uh, health care. It would have been all these things, and I would have still pastored, but my role in pastoring would have been significantly shifted and changed. And uh, and so it was just right there, and then God shut it down. And I have a ton of peace about that, because why would I want something? Why would I want a position? Why would we want something that God does not want for us right now? Mm-hmm. And so I, I take a lot of peace with that. And, and see, and just believe God's going to provide for us through what we're doing day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Well, he promises to. He promises he, to. He will provide. He will. Um, but we decided to do this podcast because all of this is fresh on our mind because mm-hmm. of this recent um, job possibility, but then not getting it. Um, so in these moments, it's important for us to talk through all of this stuff mm-hmm. um, and also just to reflect on God's faithfulness, His provision, His sovereignty, and to remind ourselves that we are not. Yeah. We are not sovereign. Um, we are dependent people. Yeah. So it's good. Anyways. Okay, so. here's the deal. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. This is the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 4. I know how to be brought low. Pastor, you're going to be brought low. Pastor's wife, you're going to be brought low. Buckle up. There's going to be times that are going to be really hard in your life in ministry. And doesn't mean you can't have joy through them. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy life. But there are going to be times that it's going to be hard and you're going to be shaking your head and scratching your head and wondering. And the goal through the gospel of Jesus Christ and knowing how good God's grace is, is that we would be content in times that we have been brought low and are being brought low. If you're being brought low right now, take heart. God's called you to this. It's not a sign of his unfaithfulness to you. It's a sign of His faithfulness. He's faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Challenges are not a sign of God's absence. They're a sign of God's presence. And He's with you right now. Press on. One day at a time, He will provide. So we've learned the situation, Paul says. I I know how to be brought low. And we're learning that. And depending upon the day, we're doing pretty good. Other times, 
when you know we think about something we'd like to do if we had a little bit more money that we couldn't do we think well that'd be that's a bummer i wish we could do that and I wish we would have got that job yeah and we stomp and whine and complain a little bit and yeah, have to go to the to. lord and say god i'm sorry mm-hmm. i'm that that's wrong that's mm-hmm. that's wrong in my heart mm-hmm. i had when thinking about that position i was thinking maybe in eight years from maybe like six to eight years i was thinking i'm gonna get me like a 10 year old toyota tacoma four-wheel drive four-door truck and and then now you know it's like that doesn't matter i don't no. need that doesn't matter i don't like i don't need that kind of thing but it can get to your heart where you start thinking, oh, man, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. So like we, God warns us. He warns <laughs> us. Money is a crazy, the love of money, it can get you. Money is, I mean, I've never smoked weed, and I guess weed's not addicting. I've never smoked meth or <laughs> shot up heroin or done cocaine, but I hear it's addicting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and money is addicting. And so breeds all kinds of idols. All sorts of idols. And so, Pastor, just walk this line and and trust the Lord that He has you in this because it's just it's a hard line to walk. So I, I just read I just read Learning Contentment by Nancy Wilson, and she talks about this verse: "The I have learned to be content mm-hmm. um, in all situations." So uh, I want to recommend that book. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Everyone it. needs contentment in this time. So uh, good. It's an amazing book. Super encouraging. Learning Contentment, Nancy Wilson. Now, this is what's uh, interesting here, also, Pastors. And yes, I and I ditto that because wait a minute, ditto. Is that the right thing? Yeah, you okay. always get confused. I do. Okay, so get that book and read it again. Help me, Jordan. Put that in the show notes. Help me to remember. Okay. But here's what Paul says: I know how to abound. Also, Pastor, do you know how to abound? If God brings money your way, that's okay. Yeah. It's not wrong. It's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to be rich by. Uh, by local standards or global standards, mm-hmm. as long as that money does not have your heart, mm-hmm. if be a giver, and be wise with your money, and think multi generationally, think the money that God gives you is not just for you; it's for your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren, and for your neighbor and your friends and your community. It's not just for you, okay? But we need to know how to abound, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of money guilt that's going on around. And if God gives us more and more, I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And if I do feel guilty about it, I'm going to remind myself that the Apostle Paul says that he knew how to be content and being abounding. And he keeps on going, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty. Isn't that interesting? I've learned the secret of facing plenty. Plenty is a hard thing to face, but he's learned the secret of being content even with plenty. And if God brings plenty your way, and most likely, for many of you, He will. As you grow older, you'll get more and more money coming your way. You don't need to be scared of that. You just need to learn the secret of facing plenty, to be content like Paul was. Mm -hmm. And then He knows how to be hungry. Pastor, God will provide your every need and food for your belly, but you may miss some meals. And if you're on the missionary, the front end, the missionary field or whatever, He gives you enough food for you, but you may be like the Apostle Paul. You may go hungry for a bit. And we need to be content with that. And then abundance and need. He knows, again, that he knows how to be experience abundance and need. And so these are categories that we need to uh, be thinking through when we think about contentment and ministry and life. And he says that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So all of these things, God is strengthening us. And, and this, I think, is the goal with thinking about money 
and from uh, guilt of money, of, of wanting either more money and feeling guilty about that, or wanting just enough to be off state aid, or be off of funding from other people, or whatever it may be, there's all these kind of knots that can happen inside your head and inside of your heart. And really, we're just seeking the Lord's grace to get those knots untied, and hopefully for you, you can get some of those knots untied by the grace of God. But through this key called contentment, I think we can walk uh, day by day and and really, I think, walk in some freedom here, Mm -hmm. I think. And wife, be an encouragement to your husband um, to help be guardrails in all of those circumstances. And don't be so cowardly as to say, that's not enough money for our family. Mm-hmm. You need to make more than that. Um, just be a woman that is brave enough to trust her Lord, to take care of her, to take care of her fa- family, her children, um, to use her as an encouragement and a voice of reason that would help her husband to trust in the Lord through seasons that it isn't plenty. Yeah. Um, to not be a discouragement in being obedient because uh, there may be seasons that your husband is doing ministry and being obedient to the Lord that the Lord hasn't brought money yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that you should stop. Yeah, um, press on. Yeah, press on. Um, be obedient, be faithful. Trust Jesus. Um, put your hand to the plow and keep working. And you said it earlier, but I want to kind of just say it to you. You said that you have, I guess, worked to bring harm in this situation or discouragement or something like that. And from my perspective, you've been a great encourager. And so thank you very much. And there's there's nothing worse, Pastor, you know this, with than being in marriage when your wife is um, discouraging to you always. And wife, if you're like that, it's crushing your husband. And when your wife and when Jordan has been, and there's been times it's been hard for you. I yeah, mean, obviously. Yeah. We're Whenever we left Cornerstone, it was really hard for me. Yeah. Um, and I wrongly and disobediently discouraged you mm-hmm. and um, and made it seem like you were doing the wrong thing and that there, we, should somehow, we should somehow try to not move forward. Um, and yeah. I remember just sinfully trying to pull the reins and manipulate and um, just because I wanted the false sense of security of money and it was so wrong yeah. um, and God convicted me and I remember so specifically a time us going for a walk and just like mm. yep. just bursting into tears and being like I can't anymore like I have to submit to the Lord mm-hmm. because there was just a constant state of tension of I knew that this is not what God was wanting me to do this was not obedience um, but I sinfully and fearfully was trying to hold on to the reins. Yeah. And then, so good, I remember that walk. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. was a really good moment. Um, men, pastors, lead your families in this. Don't be scared to talk to your elders, finance teams. These are things that I've had to work through, continuing to have to work through. Mm-hmm. Don't be scared to um, go out and get another job. Do what you have to do to provide for your family. Do everything you can to be constant for your family. This has been hard for me to be able to unwaveringly say, God will provide and be a um, 
almost incarnational Christ in the home to be able to say, honey, we're, everything's going to be okay. We don't need to worry. We can trust the Lord. It's not always going to be this way. Let's have joy in this moment right now in this season. God will take care of us. And do what you can to do that. And fight going up and down. And do everything you can by the grace of God just to be a voice of consistency to say God will provide. He will provide. He will take care of us. He will meet our every need. And baby, you can take that to the bank. God will take care of us. Mm -hmm. And mothers, be the flesh of God's provision to your children. Um, Don't let them see you not trusting Jesus and teaching them that we need more when we don't need more. Um, Bring them beauty and joy and trust in Jesus and the contentment of what God has given. That's good. I think we need to do round two of this at some point. So, this is good. Uh, Pastors and wives who are listening in, if you have anything you would like us to discuss, Jordan and I, um, specifically about marriage, um, any sort of thing that we can do to help, we would love to help. So if you have any topics you'd like us to talk about or anything, please write in, call in, text in, email, whatever. Get a hold of us on Instagram and ask us and maybe we'll do an episode about it. What do you think? Okay. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Jordan, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.